Welcome to episode six, Be Real with Reese. Today I caught up with a guy that comes from New South Wales and spent quite a few years suffering PTSD from a traumatic experience suffered uh, many years ago that that um, not necessarily, well, definitely not benefited him at the time, but the connection that he received after he'd done some work around around PTSD and breaking through that and what he's actually doing now and helping parents and children connect better. And through Primal Connections, uh, I'd like you to welcome Shane Pretner. Okay, Shane, how are you going? There is. How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, yeah good, thanks, mate. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, it's pretty late, but... Um, yeah, I appreciate the time you, you've taken in your night to to be real with me. No, all good, all good. I, I really enjoy. It. We always have a good conversation when we get going, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you're you, you're doing the single dad, uh, the 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 dad thing to, uh, this weekend, Castaway. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had a had a good time together. Um, took the kids up the local mountain. Um, yeah, I, Billy, my four-year-old, and, and Haley, my seven-year-old. Um, it's about oh, we went about three hundred meters in elevation and about two point six k from the bottom to the top, yeah, and then cool. back down again. So, yeah, it was really good. Um, I've taken them sort of halfway up a few times, and they sort they said last time they said we want to go all the way. So, I've seen, yeah, it was I've, a, I've seen a few of your videos, mate. Uh, you know, prior previously. Um, over the over the pre previous months, and uh, the young fella Billy, he seems to seems seems to love that sort of stuff. Yeah, he does. He does. He um, I think he just really loves pushing himself. Like he loves to loves to use his body. He's always really active. He's always full of energy. That's good. And he That's always good. he loves to just find out what he can do. I think. Yeah, cool. Did you growing up? Did you have the same connection with your dad that you you and uh, Billy have? No, not at all. Um, so, like growing up with, with my dad, um, I guess in the in the very early years, you know, the, the years that are sort of patchy and hard to remember, um, I do remember having a positive relationship with him. Um, you know, I remember sort of doing a little bit of craft with him and and that sort of thing. But um, as the years went on, no, it was he was really, you know, he'd go to work, pub come home and sleep and that was sort of every day you know Sundays were his golf days and, and that was about it yeah. um and and that's not putting him down like whatever happened in his life and and that sort of thing whatever was going on for him but yeah but no we were really sort of disconnected and um he was sort of physically there but emotionally and mentally we were definitely really distant uh, to the point like I I looked elsewhere for father figures so yeah right and that's um how common is that in of for our generation mate our, our dads and like you said we're not you know not having a go at them or not putting them down or anything it's just uh I, I can't imagine what it was like for them growing up you know when you know like it's they, they were they were taught the hard road mate it's just to be concrete and it's it's following us through to um you know we're, we're trying to break that cycle of uh and redefine what it means to be a man yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're still really dealing. If you if you want to trace it back, I think we're dealing with repercussions still coming from World War One and Two. You know, where a lot of the men were sent away to fight 
like a huge portion of the global population, you know, we're dealing with some intense trauma mm-hmm. and, and bringing that stuff home. And yeah, this, everyone deals with it differently. And then, so my dad's dad um, fought in World War II um, and they, like, there was also a whole thing of, um, they were rescuing Jews, like him and his partner were rescuing Jews from, um, from trains or camps or something. Yeah, wow. They almost got busted and, you know, had to run away and lost each other. Like there's a whole, there was a whole big story there. Sounds like Schindler's List. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty crazy thing. Like they end up um, finding each other again after they lost each other running away. Yes. And that's when they had my dad. So there could be any, you know, all sorts of sort of trauma in there. Yeah. 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 And then on top of that. Yeah. Like he's um, lost. Uh, most of his siblings as well growing up, um, you know, to murder, um, running away. Uh, I think one one to suicide as well. So on top of that, he also lost my older brother and my younger brother. So there's, there's who knows, you know, he's, he's also a real sort of, you know, one of those tough guys who just sort of gets on with it, you know, holds it in and just just sort of gets on day to day. As, as I said, it was work, pub, sleep. So yeah, it's it, the tools aren't around, uh, weren't around back then, and what you know what we have uh, around us today, and it's 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 sort of look. I, I tend to think of it as sad, but then on the other hand, it's 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 all it's all they knew, and like you know, I look looked at look at my dad, and he keeps going. Like, uh, and I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm so proud of him. And um, you know, there are certain things in in my life that that uh we're forever working on as you know father and son connection but um but yeah well it's yeah it's they did the best they could and we, we can't ask for anything more than that yeah absolutely and and really it's up to us i mean i've, I've got every excuse to sit here and blame him for this and blame him for that and you know be pissed off with him and all that sort of thing but i guess you know the, the tools that we have and, and the knowledge that we've gained in in our studies and and what we've learned these days, um, that would only be doing damage to myself and my kids yes, as well. So definitely. finding an understanding and finding gratitude for everything that he was and everything that he wasn't mm. is just it's completely transformational. Like you, you've got a choice to live life one way or the other. Why not live it with gratitude and understanding? Yes, that's good. That's gold, mate. That's gold. And you know, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people focus on the... the uh, you know the the drawbacks and the setbacks and you know, all the negative shit which which there's so many benefits in that sort of stuff that we can draw draw from to uh to i guess uh flip it and create a uh, a different perception paradigm to uh to, to live a live a better life with more ease and more comfort and more calmness yeah absolutely i mean we're, we're naturally wired to look for the the negative right the drawback the danger whatever it is that's made us feel unsafe, whatever it is that we want to watch out for next time, you know, we're naturally wired for that. But when we make the choice to actually learn from it, that's why, you know, this sort of stuff has to be conscious. It has to be, you, know, you decide to start seeing the gratitude. It's not something that's just going to happen unconsciously. Yeah, yeah sure. Sure. What, what was the connection like that you had with your mum? That was probably... That was definitely more complicated. <laughs> and uh, I guess from from the age of around, I'd say 
say 10 and 11, it started to really get a bit strange. And then 12 and 13, I just, I couldn't really speak to her. Like, even if I tried, I I couldn't sort of speak words out of my mouth around her or, you know, if if we're in the same room, I'll just be like a big ball of concrete, just so tense. And, and it was, you know, in hindsight, you know, you could, you could probably label it as an anxiety attack, just a a very silent one where I just, it was like losing control, but if you were to look at me, you think he's in perfect control, mm-hmm. like perfectly still, centered, focused, or whatever. But I was internally is where the chaos was. What was what was the reason behind that? If you don't mind me asking. Well, it's something I was sort of I was digging into for a while, and still, you know, it's it's an ongoing thing. Oh, um, there was a lot of <laughs> could always be. Uh, but there was a lot of fear of judgment. Um, you know, things that she said over time, sort of I added up and I put together and I think I always thought that she was really judging me. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I guess, yeah, I, there was, you know, there was things that happened when I was much younger that um, she probably probably made her very emotional as well and, and she sort of handled very emotionally and, I felt a bit unsafe as a, as a very young boy yep. in that way. Um, you know, I sort of didn't want to be viewed by your mother as, as a piece of shit, basically. Yeah, 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 sure. sure. So you sort of freeze up and think like that. One thing um, that I do like to share that I felt had a, a lot of bearing on it was that she, she'd like to tell me that I was perfect. She'd right? like to tell you that you're perfect. Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. And it was always a very emotional thing, you know, and it was, it was kind of like she was trying to counteract something that was going on in her head because yeah. she got the opposite as, as a youngster. Yep. So she was getting the, the opposite of, you know, you are perfect. She was young. So she was trying to counteract that with me and say, you know, you're perfect the way you are. You, you know, she just really wanted me to not feel what she had to feel, right? Yeah, I understand. Totally understand. But the amount of pressure that that put on me as a young kid trying to now live up to that um, expectation was, it was really heavy. Well, I can, I can relate to that in somewhat like uh, not, not really anything, anything to do with my mother, but in the, with the relationship with my wife, uh, I was always told from the grandmother, you make sure you look after her. And she always said that, always said, said that to me in, you know, I, the, the the amount of pressure that that those those couple of words put on you, like you know, you're perfect just the way you are, and you know, to live up to those standards, <clears throat> and you know, just yeah, like it, it it really does something in your mind. It's like second guesses yourself to, you know, am, am I doing the best I can, or what can I do better? And it's you're always just trying to trying to reach that bar, that that unrealistic bar. That's and. And the question that we have to ask ourselves, well, where, where are we perfect or, or how am I looking after her the best way I can instead of you make sure you look after her or, or I, am, I am looking after her. I yeah. Am, yeah. Yeah. And you, you sort of, I mean, you never know how someone's going to take something and, and that's no reason to not say anything. Yes. But it is good to just pay attention and I guess to to sort of take some responsibility and just check in on how people are taking it. Because for someone to say to you, you make sure you look after her. Mm. Some people might take that as, 
you know, forget about yourself and look after her. And that's kind of the opposite of what she needs, right? Exactly, mate, hundred percent. And it took me took me a while to work that out, and it took me to hit rock bottom to work that out too. But but uh, <clears throat> it's uh, it, it's funny how how things work out. Like uh, like after after realizing that you couldn't sort of be around be around your mum while she was uh, you know triggering tr triggering you in certain ways, you left home pretty pretty at an early age, yeah. Um, it's sort of it was about. I was trying to go for a bit and I think at about 17 there was an opportunity to go so I took it yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. I, I moved in with a with my partner's family yeah. at the time and um what actually the catalyst for it like I was looking at it and I was I kind of wanted to stick around with mum because she had gotten a boyfriend who I didn't trust I didn't like at all mm -hmm. and um yeah she but he wasn't living with her but the, the catalyst was that she said, well, he's moving in now and you can find somewhere else to live if you so don't she, like it. She forced, so she basically forced you to move out, yeah? Well, in a way. I mean, yeah. to, to me at the time, it was like, you know, you can have, you can stay here if you want, but I know you're not going to choose to. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And, and I'm not speaking for her. That's just the way I took it. Yep, I understand. Understand. So, so um, yeah, I got out of there then, and honestly, it took it took until probably mid twenties, late twenties, like when I had kids of my own. Yep. That um, it was enough sort of enough reason, enough motivation that I could just push myself to start, just to say a couple of words, and just to just find that you know, and and I guess it, it was also because it when you have kids you know it gives you like a, another perspective really on life oh, and on your own parents and and all that sort of thing so i started to develop more understanding for for her yep yeah and that so that reminds me too i mean another another standout moment that that yeah that stood out to me on when i was trying to figure out why i had those that anxiety around her mm. i remember talking to one of her friends one day and I was in the room, you know, just at home and I would have been about 10 years old. And her friend said that classic oh, men are all the same, you know, once you marry them, like they're all real nice and lovely. And then once you marry them, they're just, just pricks. Yeah. And I sort of turned around and mum looked at me and the way I took it was she looked at me and gave me a bit of a, bit of a death stare, you know, like, oh yeah, there's one of them men. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's how I took it at the time. And that was one thing that I, I have been able to speak to her about since. And um, once she remembered it, she explained that she was pissed off at her friend for saying that in front of me. Yeah. And so naturally looked at me at the same time as she was thinking that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But for years and years, that was a story in my head. It's, yeah, so many, there's, how, how often do, do messages get misinterpreted? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, yeah. I guess, you know, I'm, I've suffered from anxiety myself uh, in the past. Uh, and and at the end of the day, I've just put it down to an overactive mind and I've developed ways that I can not so much shut out but my thoughts, but have more control over my thoughts. And I mean, it's not, not very nice being in, a, um, being in an anxious state of mind, but when you can work out what actually works for you, it's uh, it becomes a lot yeah it's do i really have anxiety yeah yeah 
Now you're a, you're a diesel mechanic by trade. Yeah, that's right. How long have you been been in the trade for? I've uh, started my apprenticeship in 2007. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Did it, did it straight through, so finished it in 2011. Yep. Yep. And so yeah, ten years post trade now. Yeah. Right. So that's uh, that's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. It's um, uh, and have you always worked on stations? I've seen some photos on your um, like going through your Facebook page. You know, you on horses playing the uh, the jackaroo, uh, jackaroo inside of you. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a that was a real passion of mine, real love. Um, so from the age of about ten, um, I started. I actually started volunteering at an animal welfare league. Yeah, okay. um, sort of. I think Southwest Sydney, and yeah, just walking dogs and trying to keep them happy and giving them a you know a bit of joy in their life and that sort of thing. And um, that mo- I then moved on to a horse riding place. Yeah, um, on the outskirts of Sydney, there was about a thousand acres there, and Pretty much whenever I wasn't at school, I was there um, and just developed my horsemanship skills and all that sort of all the time there. Um, I'd work 10 to 12 hour days, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. So that was from the age of about 11. And that was, um, that was all, all donated time. Uh, yeah, for a while it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I was probably there for a year or so before they started giving me five bucks a day. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then... I got, got risen up to 10 bucks a day and then yeah. 20. And yeah. when I hit 40 bucks a day, I thought I'm killing it, you know, like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. That's, uh, you, you've got a heart of gold, Shane. I really, really enjoy talking to you, mate, because, uh, you, know, you know, we've had, we've had very, very similar upbringings and, um, you know, emotional, emo, uh, unemotional, um, sorry, emotionally unavailable fathers. And yeah. uh, I mean, mothers that, well, my mother, she suffered from mental health, still does to this day, issues that uh, were quite severe uh, back when we were growing up as kids. Like there was no real, real calm in the house. There was always massive highs and massive lows, lows. But, you know, learning to love them where they're at probably is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But, uh, and just accept them for who they are. And one of the biggest things that helped me do that was putting myself in their shoes and imagining what it was like for them when they were kids. And there was one, there was one real uh, instance, I guess, or experience that my mum went through that um, she went through, not, she, they were in the 1974 flood. And there was a two, there's photos that she's got there. It was a two story house and, uh, and the, the water's lapping the gutters and they lost everything. And, you know, I remember her going to school well, she she uh, she told us that you know, going to school and all the kids laughing at them and just because they they had nothing to wear like just had like you know, all hand me downs and just just whatever they could get from friends and the salvos and all that sort of stuff. So it must have been must have been pretty pretty rough for them and um, you know to carry that to carry that trauma through well in well I I believe that that a lot of people in the that 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 are elderly do hang on to a lot of that trauma still so and, and, and i believe and you've had your fair share of trauma too shane yeah yeah um look we no one escapes without trauma and mm. you know if you it's, it's one of those things it's unavoidable because if you didn't have trauma in your life it'd it'd find you real quick yeah you know what i mean because you'd be like how would you be can you picture someone who's never experienced trauma <clears throat> They wouldn't know how to deal with life. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't even 
um, enjoy the good times. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Well, how will we know what good time, good times are without bad times? Yeah, like it's and and I think that'd just be a magnet for for um, you know bullies or or anyone who's who's sort of you'd you'd spot them from a mile away. Yeah, definitely. And and people who are sort of um, in a bad headspace and who have had some big trauma and haven't dealt with it, I think would just be drawn to them and and probably um, attack them because just just human nature, you know, without going too deep into it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's definitely something to, to, to think about and to something to work on. I know I've, 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 I've dealt with a, quite a few of my traumas, but there's one there that I'm still still dealing with. Um, I got the chance to uh, go over that the other day uh, well, a couple of week, couple of weekends ago, and um, didn't sort of go how I wanted to wanted it to go, but I, I got my answers and, and um, you know it sort of sort of worked through it. But uh, it's just something that I have to accept, and um, and you know, and I'm and, and I'm okay with that. But um, having having connection to you know our parents, and then or disconnection with our parents, but then. Having having connections with our brothers brothers and sisters too. I mean, I was I was connected to my brother. I still am connected. I mean, when when we when we talk on the phone, we just talk like just just normal. But uh, we don't we, we don't speak anywhere near as much as what we used to. And um, and you know, it's just a matter of picking up picking up the phone. But uh, you know, life gets in the way. But, but you've got a you've got a real connection with your brother now, which is who's who's no longer with us. Yeah. So. Um... My younger brother, and I'd say you know a number of your listeners would would sort of know the, the gist of the story, but especially for those who don't, um, I, I had a younger brother. He was about seven years younger than me, um, so yeah, he was obviously born when I was seven, and we um, we had a really good relationship growing up. I mean, there was yeah, you know, there's definitely times where you know being the older brother and and having all my own traumas, I was I was sort of unfair on him. Um, but yeah, in general, we did have a good relationship, but he wanted a lot more connection than what I could offer in the state that I was in. Mm. Mm. Um, and in, you know, with all my traumas and things like that. So, I mean, I would get home from work and he'd be out on the driveway, you know, at my door. I'm not trying to open my door to get out of the car and he's there, you know, and I'd, I'd be like, what are you doing? Just let me get inside. And but he'd be acting more casual as if he was already out there that I knew he wasn't, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was, it was that sort of thing. Like he just really genuinely wanted that and, and really looked up to me. So, and so the way that we lost him was um, it was an accident and we were in the, in the months leading up to it, we were actually really starting to connect. Well, um, we went out on a hunting trip together Um we sort of, you know, I let him drive my ute through the paddocks and he was having a really good time taught him to drive. Yeah. Um, he was about 13 at this time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would have been about 20. Um, and on this particular trip, I went up to Bingra in New South Wales um, and did a, did a, had a couple of weeks there um, at a station and I was going across to Baradine, um, also in New South Wales, to meet him there and we are going to go on a, on a trip for about a week or two. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. And um, when I got there, we sort of had to go through someone's property along a Crown Road to get to this other place. And as I got into this guy's property, he stopped me 
and said, mate, you can't go any further because there's been an accident ahead. And um, there's a, a young guy who's sort of, I couldn't work out whether he was saying that he was dead or not, mm. but I could, I could work out that he was either dying or, or he had died. So um, pretty soon I worked out that it was probably my brother and it clicked with the old mate too. And he's like, fuck, sorry. Yeah. I said, very easy. He said, he said he's up there. So I just sort of, <laughs> I don't know if I could have even knocked him over because I just took off in the, in the car. Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, drove through the gates and that. And as I sort of come around the corner, there was all the emergency crews there in the paddock. And um, I still didn't know. I thought he might've still been holding on to life. Yes. Needed to get to him to tell him what I wanted to tell him and give him some comfort. Yep. Um, but I got out of the car and I said, all right, where's Ben? I'm his brother. And everyone just sort of looked down, dropped their heads, and a couple of a couple of police officers came over and pulled me aside and told me um, he'd already passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. It was... First, as most people would, I remember the moment that I heard that. I remember exactly what the ground looked like because I was looking at the ground and you sort of... It is just like someone's hit you in the chest with a hammer or something because I took a couple of steps back to, to hold my balance from falling over. Mm, mm. Um, and they were really good, you know, as, as they always are. If there's anything we can do for you, let us know and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And um, there wasn't much I could do. I was just sort of sat down and started to, well, you know, I guess the first reaction was to wait for myself to wake up, you know, thinking it's just a dream. And yeah. you sort of maybe dissociate a bit at first. And one of the, um, one of the emergency crew members there, with all good intentions, um, said, why don't you get out of the sun here, mate? Sit in this Jeep here in the aircon and at least, you know, keep cool a bit. And so he sat me in there, didn't quite realise I was directly facing the overturned vehicle about 10 metres away from it. Yes. Yep. A bit, bit of Hessian bag over the window so you couldn't see the body. Um, yeah, because, sorry, it was uh, a four-wheel drive accident. The driver was just mucking around in the paddock trying to show off from what we can tell yep. and he's um flipped it and being in a paddock my brother wasn't wearing a seat belt and he's gone into the windscreen yeah right yep yeah that's uh, that that really really hits home um you know <clears throat> i don't know what it's like to to lose a sibling but uh, but yeah no it's um the amount of well what you would have been feeling at the time was i just can't fathom because uh, you know, to to hear those words, like you like you said, you know, must to get over that, mate, um, would have taken or still getting over it. I mean, you know, suffering from oh, all sorts of uh, you know, you know, loss to um, you know, guilt or all the emotions coming up, coming up with that would have been would have been like a a, a, a journey all in itself. Huge, huge, and and you say guilt there, and that was definitely that was definitely our biggest hurdle throughout it all. Um, he was in my care that weekend or that week, you know that that trip. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember people have the best intentions. Um, I remember my grandmother telling me about a conversation that she had had with him prior to him leaving. Yes, and she said you know, watch out for snakes, just be careful and what, and be careful with the guns and that. And he said, don't worry, I'll be fine. Shane's looking after me. Yeah. 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 And 
um yeah like i still remember very clearly because i had to you know part of the police procedure i had to identify the body yes and confirm and all that sort of thing and yeah just i remember that image very clearly of course mm. and sort of the marks there was a few marks on his neck that i remember seeing and um yeah the first thing i thought was that i'll put them there you know? yeah yeah so it was that was the sort of thing that's sort of going through your head that he sort of trusted me and i'll, I'll never ignore a gut feeling again because when we we're planning the trip and saying yeah ben will go in this car with with this guy and i said I did speak up. I said, I don't know about that. Like, cause he's, he had a reputation as the driver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, Oh no, he'll be all right. He'll drive careful. And I looked at him. I said, you better fucking take it easy and don't, don't show off. I still had that gut feeling and, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020, but um, in saying that, um, I've, we have discovered and this is how this is how I dealt with it. So a fair few years later, um, I did get officially diagnosed with PTSD. Yeah. Um, I had intrusive thoughts and nightmares and all that sort of thing. Um, and a couple of years after that, um, I went to a personal development event, and it was it was a really awesome event. And uh, one of the guys on the third day, when I was I decided to work through this and to see if I could change my perception around it and heal and uh, sort of talk me through it. And I realized that one thing he really wanted was connection. And we connected really well in the months leading up to his death. And the best connection we've ever had has been since he passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. been really well connected since that. And so he got everything you wanted. That's and then that's funny, yeah. Not only that, I think it was a day after I realized that I was deep in a visualization. Um, and in, in this visualization, I pictured my life as it was um, if I didn't make any changes, if I kept going the way I was going. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what will it look like a year down the track or five years or 10 years down the track? And I was, my, my legs were hurting because, you, you know, as you know, these visualizations can be really powerful. Yeah, 100%. All this weight of my life, the way it was, and letting it continue the way it was going, it was killing my back, my legs. My, I felt like I just ran a marathon. Mm. Mm. And following that, I then decided to visualize my life if I did make some changes if I did find the courage and, and the, the mongrel and just make the changes that needed to be made mm -hmm. and what would my life look like in one year or five years or 10 years. And, um, it was great. Like I was, you know, you start to feel loose, you start to feel flexible, you start to feel good. And i got really deep in this visualization. And I honestly, I wasn't thinking about my brother at that time. I was thinking about me and my life and my future. Mm -hmm. And in this visualization out of absolutely nowhere, he popped up and just started cheering me on. Yeah, right. That's that's pretty powerful, man. I yeah, actually, yeah, it was. It was really powerful. I had a conversation with a guy this afternoon. He dropped some uh, smoked salmon around to me, and uh, you know, every, sometimes when I do some smoking, so smoking some meat, I'll drop some around him, and vice versa. And uh, <clears throat> he's um, 
he's a lot older than me and we've we've had a few conversations and you know over the past over the past probably 12 months i reckon just just on and off and um he lost his sister to cancer and all his life there's been a bit of um uh anger anger issues and stuff like that and you know he's been held he's held on to a lot of a lot of um you know resent anger and you know just a lot of a lot of suppressed emotion and he told me he had a dream and it was is it was he said to me i don't know if you believe this or not but my sister showed up in my, in my dream and um just told me to let everything go and she said he said after after you know about two weeks that was happened about two weeks ago and i just feel so i feel so so good i've never felt this happier and i said to him mate she probably was there she probably did actually tell you that in your dream and you know there's so so many ways we can we can connect with uh how do you say how, how would you put it like um to connect with things that are greater than ourselves yeah and it's uh it's it's uh, and uh, like that that event that you went to thrive time by the mojo master that's um i, I want to do that mate because i you had me on um on your uh problem connections um chat and that was uh i really really enjoy listening to him talk because he just he's so he knows so much he knows so much and um just like real like facts too yeah he, he likes to deal with the hard science and um and he he just studies like mad that's just that's his life he's just study yeah, be good Le learning and teaching so with your um primal connections mate the, the inspiration where was the inspiration behind that well a lot of these you know it's really been my whole life so a lot of what already told you about you know it all contributes to it um and and this is one reason why when i if when i ask myself is it is it a bad thing that my brother died i don't know depends on your perspective yeah because that's part of the inspiration for what i do now mm -hmm. his life had awesome purpose and it's fulfilled its purpose in pushing me so hard to for what i'm doing now yeah. um got what he wanted and i don't want a big part of primal connections right the mission is to change the trajectory of our youth and to reconnect families yes and they to me they go hand in hand um because a disconnected family you know you can spend a lot of time in your life hashing over it and figuring out what went wrong and figuring out where you went wrong or right or just trying to get this understanding on your life because you know they they are the roots for if you're a tree you know your your roots are your family it's like you, you you really want to know and understand where you came from that's yeah that's funny you say that too because i just finished reading a book called tribe by sebastian junga junga and um it talks a lot about uh PTSD and uh, you know a lot of uh, uh, men, men and women that were in the military, and that do come home and then suffer, so, you know, suffer the effects of war through PTSD and, and whatnot. And it, um, it it's sort of like talking about like tribes. I mean, you know, how often, like you just said, 
families, they, you know, we get brought up and then we just spread out and just disconnect. And yeah, it talks about, you know, I guess, you know, our families, our tribe, really, realistically. And, yeah. you know, when, when, when we stick together and have those connections, it's, um, you know, like it was proven, it, it was a fact in that, in that book that, uh, you know, way back then, way back when, when the Indians, um, you know, in America, when the Indians were um, cold and, you know, there was, there was so much uh, conflict between uh, the English and the American, the, the American, the, uh, yeah, the English and, uh, and uh, the Indians when they were just killing Indians all the time. And there was there was not too much PTSD or the um, um, recorded um, you know, mental mental illnesses. I don't know what you what they call it back then, but there was not, none of that because they all stuck together. They all stayed with the family and they and they worked through the issues. And the life went on through hunting and uh, and you know their rituals and all that sort of stuff. But it's when like like when we um, when we when we like I said separate from families. Like we just sort of become lost and disconnected and, and you know what, what now absolutely yeah 100 percent. it's i mean it's, it's the connections and the people around us the there are mirrors and and such a huge part of who we are i mean you, you take just about anyone who has gone through a significant trauma and is dealing with ptsd or some sort of mental thing like that nine times out of ten i believe that connection to other people is something that they're craving, mm. especially mm. when they're saying that they're not. <laughs> it's, and yeah, it's like, like you just, like you said earlier in the piece too, that, you know, the connection with uh, my mum and the connection that you, you have with your mum, like, yeah, there were times there where I just I felt like I just wanted nothing to do with her. Yeah. And, you know, like, but, Look, it's it, it's getting better now. Definitely getting better now. Where you know we're we're wanting like, for instance, I went back to Toowoomba or last Tuesday. I left uh, left left the sunny coast at I was about half twelve thirty, and I, I was going straight past where I didn't need to call in. wasn't planning to call in, but I, I needed to piss, so I thought I'll just quickly call in. I was only there for ten minutes and scared the shit out of her, but she uh, <laughs> walked past the window and scared the shit out of her and. Um, and uh, she didn't even know I was coming, so uh, that was pretty good. Um, it was a pretty good time. So um, yeah, she only saw her for ten minutes. Dad was down in the paddock doing, doing his thing, but um, and then went on my way. And then I went back past again at ten thirty that night. It was a bit too late to call in then, but uh, but yeah, no, it was um, you know re-establishing those connections, I believe. And I understand, like, depends on your emotional, uh, internally emotional feelings how some some connections may never be restored yeah well i guess i mean i think that there is a way there is a way for every connection to be restored but you're right they may they may not be restored because it, it really comes down to the individual um one do you want it and two do you believe it it can be done exactly yeah yeah um and no matter how old we are no matter how far we stray um our parents are always going to be into integral to our healing our well-being um because they're like I've, I've really delved into the science of it like down to the to the subatomic level yep. um you know and, and the cellular cellular level and how information is carried in cells you know which is passed 
down through um, generations. And not only that, but when two conscious beings are emotionally bonded, they're forever bonded and they can be on opposite sides of the world. And if that emotional bond is strong enough, then subatomic particles will communicate across the world. Would you say through the, through the quantum quantum field? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, you've heard of, what, what's the term, twin telepathy? Where, you know, you've got a, a pair of twins and as they grow up, you know, one of them can be in another part of the country, let's say, and um, they find themselves in some deep trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and the other twin is like, fuck, something's up. I know something's up, something's wrong. I need to, I need to get in contact with them. Yeah, 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 definitely. I've heard, I, have, I have heard of that. Yeah. yeah probably, and, probably, probably not that term, but yeah, I have heard of the scenario, definitely. Yeah, and, and this, is, this is proven. I mean, um, Clive Baxter, he used to work for the CIA. Um, he was their top, one of their top uh, guys with the lie detector. I can't think of the machine, you know, the, the lie detector with the yeah. graph and they up to your head and all that, reads your brainwaves. So he was the, the CIA expert on that. Um, and then when he went out on his own, he um, did a bunch of experiments and he's always studying and doing research. And one day he hooked the lie detector up to a plant in his office. Right? And this plant had been in, in his office for years. He decided to hook the lie detector up to it and just let it, let the machine run for the day. Yeah. He went off and ran his errands, you know, went down to the store and down to meetings and whatever else he needed to do. And throughout the day, he recorded his own emotions and his own feelings and his own thoughts and all that, just journaled his whole, his whole day. When he got back, he found that the plant was giving off the signals on the machine with exact correspondence to his emotions throughout the day. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty deep to take in. Yeah. So when you um, bond to subatomics or quantum particles, right, you bond them strongly and then you separate them, right? You can excite one particle and observe the other particle and you'll find that the other particle acts as though it's also being excited at the same time. Yeah, right. Right now, you can take those two particles across other side, the other side of the world, and the same thing will happen. That's um, okay. So, a bit, a bit better way of uh, of explaining that, I guess. Now I'm going to have a crack at this. Tell me if I'm wrong or not. But uh, okay, so just just for for example, I'm not saying you know, like my my family family did, but. Did do anything bad, but who knows? Maybe they did. But uh, my just my great 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 grandfather was suffered some sort of um, uh, tra- traumatic experience or or committed some sort of a crime where he got you know had those had those emotions come up. Those emotions can be passed down. Not not through. I don't believe. I don't believe through hereditary, but they can be passed down through our is that right passed down passed down through yep. through the generations absolutely yeah yeah there's generational trauma and um yeah the, the more i look into it it's there, there has been examples of a person 
for lack of a better term, committing a trauma on someone else. So committing a crime, mm-hmm. assault or battery, whatever on someone else, you know, and if they don't atone for it in their lifetime, if they don't go to jail or get punished or whatever it is, then that sensation, that guilt can even be passed on. And so, you can find that subsequent generations um, can be more prone to self-harm. Mm-hmm. Feelings of guilt that lead on to whatever. Understand, understand. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty heavy, man. And that's it's it's so interesting, you know. Like we're, we're so much more, and there's so much more out there than just like the conversations that we're having today. It's uh, it's unbelievable. But like getting back to the connections with your with your kids and your primal connections, what where um, are you coming up from the next firewalk? Uh, don't believe I'll be there for this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll be up there in the sunny coasts pretty soon in the next, probably sometime this month to, to come up and have a look around. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Cause I'll be moving up there probably next month. Yeah. Um, the way things are going. So yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Cool. How's those pushups going? Do we work out how to do a proper, proper pushup yet? Yeah. yeah no. I'm, I'm, tuck, I'm almost like a chicken now. I'm t- trying to tuck my elbows right and you got me, you got me worried. <laughs> Yeah, we've got 200 what is it 206 to do tomorrow 206 yeah no, it's, i'll crack them out but i'm uh i've got a competition on uh on saturday so first competition ever and i'm freaking 38 doing a doing a crossfit comp so it's awesome <laughs> yeah so i don't know how that's gonna go but um i'm uh, i'm not i'm not trying training in the morning i'm gonna train uh, wednesday morning so i'm gonna give my body a bit of a uh, bit of a break so that i'm pretty fresh for saturday so I think I think I've done enough training um, between now and now and um, and Saturday, so I'll go in and just do a little bit of open gym tomorrow. But um, but uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, where. So where where else can people find you, Shane? Um, I'll keep it pretty simple. So if you look up Primal Connections on Facebook, um, you'll find me. Um, yeah, Shane Pretner. You can yep. you can look me up on my personal Facebook page um, and the website is just www.primalconnections.com.au cool. um, and there's links to all the socials and you know contact forms and everything in there i'll make sure those links are in the bio man bio who's um do you follow the league who sorry you follow follow the league who's going to win on wednesday night oh <laughs> honestly I, I haven't even been following it lately i'm, I'm a roosters supporter oh yeah well, i won't have that against you <laughs> No, but I've I've haven't even been following it at all for, for probably this season. Yeah, okay, okay. I've I've made a, I've made an intention to really watch some footy footy this year, and I'm sort of glad I am because some of the talent that's coming through, coming through the new talent that's coming through, because I'm uh, I'm sort of um, you know uh, Billy Slater, Cameron Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, and uh, you know Darren Lockyer era, where uh, where we're all they're all sort of. No, Jonathan Thurston, they're all, uh, I've just named a whole heap of Queenslanders. I wouldn't like, uh, what's his, um, sorry, uh, what's his name? Um, Gallum, Paul Gallum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I had to, had to throw one New South Wales uh, name in there. So I uh, wouldn't feel left out. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, that's sort of, yeah, it's, it's good to see some of the new talent that's coming through. It's um, and what, what, they, what they go through and put their bodies on the line. It is. It's pretty inspiring to watch too. Like they just, 
yeah, they just give it all. And it's, it's there's no thought of what's going to happen on the other end. It's just what's what's the goal at the time, what's the mission at the time, and just give it everything. It is, mate. It is. And, um, you know, what we what we do, how we do one thing is how we do everything in life. Yep, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll make sure those links are in the bio, in the bio and in the uh, description, Shane. And uh, thanks very much for uh, taking time out tonight. It is late, and um, and yeah, it's been it's been a good good chat, and won't be won't be our last chat either. No, absolutely. I'll come back on any time. Thanks a lot for having me. No worries, Shane. Thanks, brother. All right. See you, Catch you. Thanks for listening to Be Real with Reese. If you would like to appear as a guest on this podcast please reach out and send me a message on berealwithreese at gmail.com. Or if you're listening and you're enjoying the show, don't forget to go and leave a review wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure it's five-star because I enjoy this stuff. It's what I enjoy doing. It's a passion of mine to just to have vulnerable conversations with real people. Anyway, hope you enjoyed today's episode and be real.